The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to Rebel Alliance Podcast. I am P. Nate, and with me in studio, as always, is Mr. Pooty. How are you doing, man? <laughs> Pretty good. I was really hoping today would be the day you would call me Vanilla. Vanilla Poots. But you didn't. My partner in crime, Vanilla Poots. Um, we're here today. We are the Rebel Alliance Podcast, and uh, you can find us wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Uh, you can find us on uh, our website at rebelalliancemedia.com. You can find us on Facebook, Rebel Alliance Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, all that social networking goodness. Uh, we keep updated. We like interacting with our guests and our fans and our listeners and all those kinds fans? of people. Do we have fans? <laughs> I don't know, man. Supporters? Supporters. Like, supporters. That's, supporters. Yeah, that's sure. a soccer term, so we'll do it. I hate soccer. I know you do. But here we are. How are you feeling today, man? I feel I I'm feeling great, to be honest with you. I we're back to recording during the day. Yeah. Which is helpful. I love. Yeah. I love. Nighttime pooty is not the same as daytime pooty. No, he's he's been awake too long. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And so now it's like I'm energized. It's like do you morning. Like hit, do you hit a bit of a, a rough patch in the evening? Because I know you're also a Nighthawk. So you seem to thrive at like 10, 11 p.m. Yeah, that's when I'm at my best. Like if we recorded <laughs> this, you wouldn't get very many words. In I'd, be asleep, I have all the I'd be asleep. I'd be asleep. I'd be asleep. I have no thoughts at that time. No, I'm, I'm my roughest time of the day is between like five and like eight in the evening like if i could have a nap mm. that would be the that nap would be time. the time interesting you know like when everybody's just finishing work yeah <laughs> if i could just sleep right then that'd be great fair enough well we are the rebels and we're here with another podcast for you uh we want to start off by getting into some rebel news and usually pooty finds the news and asks me my opinion on them but today because of work schedules and because of who found what <laughs> i have some that you have not heard about i just kind of wanted to get your uh your thoughts on it pooty unplugged yeah this, is, yeah, this is Pooty Unplugged. Uh, so I have a couple of news items that I want your thoughts on. Um, number one, this is, uh, this is kind of an interesting thing. So um, there's a Presbyterian minister named Marvin Ellison, uh, and he's from Portland, Maine. Okay. Okay. Am I, am I just commenting on his name? Because I, like Marvin's not a terrible name. Uh Okay, you yeah, you can, <laughs> That was a joke. No, don't. So, before you say anything nice about Marvin, let me tell you about this Presbyterian minister named Marvin oh Ellison oh from boy. Portland, Maine, who uh, recently blessed a brand new Planned Parenthood that was being opened. Yeah. So, he is one of three Presbyterian ministers in uh, Portland, Maine, who volunteer at this uh, abortion mill. Um, at this Planned Parenthood. 
And uh, he says, this is him, quote, There are some who assume that if you're a person of faith, you must stand in opposition to all that Planned Parenthood represents. But that's far from true. Throughout the U.S., there are many religiously affiliated people who support sexual and reproductive health rights and justice, promoting health care for all, including reproductive and sexual health care. It's an important religious value, and it's actually one of the many reasons that I volunteer as an on-staff chaplain at Planned Parenthood. Many are surprised, he goes on, this is later, many uh, are surprised to hear that clergy, Presbyterian ministers in particular, were among the earliest supporters of Margaret Sanger and other pioneers of the family planning movement. What do you think of Presbyterian ministers working as chaplains at Planned Parenthood? (laughs) I'm, I'm, it's outrageous is the, the main, the main answer is like, sorry, what? Like this is happening for real. Um, one, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that like, I'm I'm absolutely shocked for two reasons. One, that Planned Parenthood even has chaplains for the, for the first place. Like why, like, how does this work? I don't understand. Um, second thing, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted. I don't even know the right words to speak to this Marvin guy who I no longer like his name. You're off my list, Marvin. Um, Basically what he's saying is that he's saying the general public, he's basically saying he supports Planned Parenthood because he doesn't believe in the word of God. I don't know how to, I don't know how to put that in a nicer way. The word of God is very, very clear. It starts in Genesis four blood, like one death is a, is a bad thing. It's right. a curse. It's a part of sin, part of sin and innocent blood that shed cries out to God. <laughs> exactly. From the ground. So you're helping. Yeah. So you're in the big, like, this is a good, good ministry yeah. that I have. I, he calls himself a man of faith, faith in what yeah. is, would be my question. Faith in, in, in society and humans, like, because he can't, he can't be claiming to have faith in the one, like he can't be claiming faith in Jesus and then supporting killing numerous babies unless he's got some deluded like theology that I've never heard of it it just baffles my mind I would it it makes me outraged too that the Presbyterian church doesn't discipline, discipline this yeah I know and I don't know if he's from the PCA or, or uh, what uh, Presbyterian denomination he's from, but I would I would encourage. I, we have listeners in uh, in Maine, so if they, if we have any listeners in Portland, I'd I'd love to know whether or not this guy is a, what a sort of Presbyterian church he's affiliated with, and uh, if anybody knows about this in Portland because it, it is outrageous. And, and and here's the worst part: the worst part of this is that so you have people who are there choosing to murder their their babies through abortion, and you have a minister of the gospel or a man who's claiming to be a minister of the gospel there to appease their guilt. So God will be working on them through their guilt, recognizing, and, and this is why, I mean, people, people who are even pro-abortion uh, will often say to me things like, you don't think that that's hard enough for women making that difficult decision and, and, and they don't need you heaping coals on their head is essentially what they're saying. And, and what I would say to that is, is simply the reason it's emotionally distraught, the reason they're emotionally distraught over the decision is because they, their conscience is condemning them. And so here's now a guy who's there working, quote unquote, on behalf of God to appease the guilt of these women who are murdering their children. It's, it's, 
it there's a special there's a special place in hell reserved um for for men who are doing stuff like that i think well there's exactly there's a reason <clears throat> there's a reason the new testament is full and i believe correct me if i'm wrong false teaching is the number one thing the new testament Condemned, condemns yeah. is beware of false teachers beware of those who cloak themselves like sheep but are really ravenous wolves i i don't know another way to say this is this is yeah, an exact example totally. of what this looks like practically a guy who claims to love the gospel, who claims yeah. to speak gospel truth, yeah. but then his actions live out something yeah. completely different than this. It blows my mind. Yeah. I would love he's, to have Marvin on the show. Let's have Marvin on the show. He's uh, he's an he's an enemy of God disguised as a messenger of light. Right? Yeah, and I, I want to make sure nobody nobody thinks that we're saying that about all Presbyterian ministers. <laughs> no, we have lots, like, of, <laughs> lots of Presbyterian. I don't want to offend ninety percent of yeah, our yeah, listeners. No, no, right? no, no, yeah. <laughs> the Presbyterian no, 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 Church. Yeah. We love you guys, uh, but no. Um, the reason I say that is because, like, I recently we talked about this on a video. I had run-ins with street preachers who would identify themselves as pastors of a denomination. Yeah. Um, this could be one of those situations where it's somebody who's far off the yeah, rails, yeah. been disciplined, been kicked out, but still refers to himself yeah, as this. That could be it. You're right. Um, so let's not label the whole denomination. Don't say Pudi said that these guys are all bad. Um, okay. So so kind of related. Um, on uh, on Mother's Day, um, ABC's The View, which I know is one of your favorite shows there, Chris. <laughs> the View. <laughs> We've taken on The View and some of their, uh, their views <laughs> um, many okay. times. But on Mother's Day, they put out in uh, this ad that was using uh, a woman in, named, uh, ch -ch -ch -ch, if I can find her name here, Kara uh, Armstrong. Um, so she had uh, uh, a, a baby who was born uh, with Down syndrome. And so they put out a Mother's Day ad um, using uh, this woman's story. And this woman, Kara, she uh, talks about her daughter, who's now seven years old. And she says, when Mia was born, a doctor came in to me and said, I am so sorry. I didn't doubt that I would love my baby, but I did doubt that I was the right woman for the job. She is now the glue that holds our family together. She is the light of our lives. I think motherhood is about embracing who they were created to be. I was given this daughter to change my heart and to show me a different kind of perfect. So what I think is, is so interesting about this ad is this is the ad that The View ran. Now, The View would be right up there in terms of the progressive left and pushing uh, pro-choice and um, you know feminist ideals of reproductive rights of abortion. And yet they can't stick to their own script, right? They can't stay consistent yeah. within their worldview because here they are telling the story of a mom who had a child with Down syndrome, didn't find out that she had Down syndrome until the baby was born. Interesting. I wonder if she would have chosen to abort right beforehand. And and what would the view think of that? But now is this seven-year-old daughter who's completely changed her and transformed her into a mother and transformed her heart and all that kind of jazz. Um, I just I, I just thought that was interesting, so I thought I'd get your take on that too. Yeah, I find I find it interesting that they would that they that they don't see the hypocrisy of celebrating this story when they publicly advocated support of Iceland who is systematically trying to put to death all Down syndrome children, trying yeah. to eradicate it from their culture. Um, they celebrated that on one hand, and then they're celebrating this on the other. Yep. And so like, when, when, at what point did this differentiate? Just because this baby was born, do we care about it? Or is it like, when, when did that change make for them? It blows, it blows my mind. Um, but it, it doesn't blow my mind because I expect, 
I expect their worldview to fall apart. I yeah. expect there to be holes that they just don't see. Right. Yeah, and I think, sure. I think part of what our podcast is about and part of what these little segments help show is that it's easy to, to read that story and be like, Oh, that was so nice of the view. And yes, that is a great story. I'm yeah. that, I thought that story was great, but then you have to look at it and be like, well, what are they saying? Your all world, the other you time? can't account for that story. Exactly. That's, yeah, exactly. Right. So, and, and then, I think, and I think that part of our role as Christians is to hold people to consistency, right? Because we know that their worldview, um, can't, um, can't be sustained. I think one of our roles is specifically, I mean, I'm not saying go on and tweet, you know, Joy Mayer or Bayer or whatever her name is from the view or, or go tweet Whoopi Goldberg about this. But what I am saying is that, in conversations, like when you're sitting beside somebody in your family or a friend and you're watching something like that, help them see the hypocrisy because most people yeah. don't. We talk about it all the time. We want to get, you know, we want to get this trending, you know, hashtag bring back, uh, 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 what's the, why, why'd that term just slip? Uh, yeah, bring back cognitive dissonance, right? Like that's what we want. We want people <laughs> to be uncomfortable with the contradictory views that they hold. And so, um, you know, helping people see the inconsistency of a worldview that doesn't have Jesus at the center um, is part of how Christians engage culture. Absolutely. And practically, we've, we've both had these, these times. We, you refer to it as your, what is it, your cocoon? Is that what you yeah, call it? Yeah, my cocoon phase. Your, your cocoon yeah. phase. I just call it like my I'm panic texting everyone <laughs> phase, which is like when, when we come across something in Scripture and that doesn't, that we that doesn't seem to line up. Yeah. And so we need that time to, to basically to work out our world, to view. work out our worldview. Yeah. And so we can, we, as Christians who experience that, we know that people who have worldviews that don't line up, like that don't, that don't connect all together, probably have that all the time. And once you can start pointing those things out to, out to people, people do have to wrestle with that. So they will, it will be something that they have to start wrestling and what better way to start talking about your worldview when people are talking about their worldview? Absolutely. Yeah, so that's good. So there's just a couple of pieces of Rebel News um, that will hopefully help you engage culture and get into some conversations. Uh, hopefully as well, um, there are new videos that we drop on Fridays on Facebook, and uh, we've specifically done a couple of them. One specifically about abortion uh, that we'll be dropping that we want you to share on your page to help get you into conversations with people who are in your sphere, who you have on your Facebook. So make sure you find us on Facebook, find those videos, share them to your page and tag us there so that we can help you out in the conversations that are sure to follow. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with today's topic, Christian Liberty. The Rebel Alliance podcast is about discipleship bringing the gospel message about how to interact in a biblical way with your family, friends, co-workers, and your culture. Would you like to be a part of this? Rebel Alliance Media is looking for financial sponsors. A one-time gift, a monthly donation, whatever you like. Contact the Rebels at info at rebelalliancemedia.com. That's info at rebelalliancemedia.com. The Rebels. We're back from break, and uh, as I said uh, just before we uh, did break, that today's topic is Christian liberty. So this came, uh, basically, when we were doing the Q&A last week, uh, several questions came out that we thought kind of fit underneath this umbrella 
Uh, so questions like, is it is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? Um, is it okay for men to uh, play video games? Some of these came out, right? You've, you've probably heard us talk about alcohol before. Um, uh, you've maybe uh, listened to our Tim Bailey episode where he was really harsh with, with people playing video games, um, you know, talking about concerts, talking about tattoos, talking about piercings, talking about dances, like all these kinds of different things, listening to non-Christian music, all of these sorts of things. And we get a lot of questions like this. Um, yeah. fall under the category of Christian liberty. Yeah, the social do's and don'ts, right? Gambling, yeah, piercings, right. tattoos, alcohol, all those things that like we all have grown up with stories be like, oh, that church, they don't let us drink. They don't let us play cards on Sundays. Right. Like, um, like, play cards on Sundays. <laughs> did you never get that one? Uh, we, uh, we, I grew up and we just weren't allowed to play with cards. We, oh. yeah, yeah, we couldn't play with decks of cards. That's, that's why, did you know that's why like Uno and Rook exist? Because Christians were like trying to make card games that didn't involve an actual deck of cards? No, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Record, hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um, I, I don't get the, is it just the gambling association? We'll go, I'm sure we'll get into it. But well, that, yeah, that's, and, and that's what we're talking about. Right. Uh, dressing in certain kinds of clothes, uh, recreational gambling, um, movies, movie theaters, all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. all of that kind of falls under this idea of, of Christian liberties. Yeah. And, we, and we're going to answer like uh, the marijuana is part of this. This yeah. came, this comes up and we're going to, we actually have a, we've done, we've done a video that yeah, will we, be out. In a we just recorded while. a video. It'll come out in a couple of weeks specifically on pot, especially exactly. in Canada where we're looking to decriminalize it. Um, so we, we touch on that specifically. Um, so first let's just kind of introduce the topic. And so the, the, the topic goes something like this because we are freed from sin and because we are freed from adherence to the law as a way of gaining favor with God, Christians are now free to do whatever we want. Now, if you've listened to the rebels at all, we know, you know, our view on that. You're not free to do whatever you want. You, uh, you, there is still a law. There is still God's moral law and, and God's civil law that we are to, um, adhere to. Um, but there are specific things. There are specific things that are addressed in God's, uh, in, in God's word. There are things like, um, gambling. There are things like, um, drunkenness. There are things like tattoos and, and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a whole category of things like movies, which weren't around when Paul was writing or, or video games or, uh, dances and, and that sort of thing. And, and those kind of fall into, uh, some level of Christian wisdom. So the question, I guess, is how much liberty do Christians who have been freed from sin have to enjoy life around them? I guess, is that a fair way to kind of uh, introduce the topic? Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's exactly how to, how to think of it is like how much how much freedom do we have to live n- normally, I guess, would be the, w- the way when it's when we're called to live a, a godly life. Right. Right. And I would just say um, in in Acts chapter, I think it's Acts chapter 15, um, where it talks about Jer- the Jerusalem Council. Um, you know, there's a perfect place in Scripture where it, you know, the Christians were struggling with this then, right? They're they're struggling with what parts of the Old Testament law, what parts of the Mosaic law do we still have to adhere to? Which parts were fulfilled in Christ and therefore no longer bind our conscience? And which parts of it are still abiding in the life of, of Christians? And so Acts 15 is, is um, kind of addressing that. Paul was appointed to the Jerusalem Council, and so you see him working this out practically in a lot of his epistles. We, we go... The first two chapters of the book of Galatians is 
directly Paul refuting the Judaizers who Peter was getting sucked in by, Barnabas had been sucked in by, James had been sucked in by basically saying that they had to follow the circumcision laws of the of the Jewish kosher laws. I don't know what they actually called them, but and they were telling that all Christians needed to follow those specific things, get circumcised, all that. And Paul's saying, no, we've been freed from that under this. And he actually called Peter out. So we see that how to work this out has been a struggle since the very beginning. Right. And we've seen good wisdom from the Apostle Paul on how to do this, right? Right. Absolutely. I guess uh, one of the things that we'll say is that um, one of the premier texts that you would maybe go to um, in in regard to Christian liberty is uh, Romans 14. And I'll start just in verse 12, and I'll read till the end of 16 in, in context here. It says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So we are all accountable to God. That's still you know very much a part of Christian life. Verse 13 says, Therefore... Let us not pass judgment on one another, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. And so Paul's essentially saying here that he's been persuaded in Christ that nothing is unclean in himself. And of course, he's talking in a culture full of people who would be deciding whether or not they want to continue to adhere to Old Testament dietary laws or not, right? Yeah. And there'd be a whole group of people who for generations, their families families had been doing this, there'd probably be several people who are advanced in age who are understanding that they're no longer obligated to live um, under the Old Testament dietary laws and yet are still choosing to because that's what they've always known or maybe they have some family that's still unconverted. And so Paul's essentially saying this isn't something that Number one, he says he's persuaded that nothing is unclean. So suddenly Paul relinquishes all, and this is a Pharisee of Pharisees, as he described himself. Paul relinquishes his um, uh, the necessity of him to adhere to Old Testament dietary laws. And yet what he's saying is that um, he's not, he is not forcing his liberty on anyone else. But also, they should not bind his conscience on this particular issue. So essentially what he's saying is that there's plenty of things that, um, plenty of areas to which, not, not that God hasn't spoken, but there are plenty of areas that are a matter of conscience. And in those areas, neither side has a right to bind the conscience of the other side. And that's kind of what he's saying in some of these some of these areas where um, you know we we need to to find some level of wisdom. And for me personally, just as as by way of testimony, there have been things that I have not felt um, uh, convicted by in the past. That as I grow in sanctification, I be I I have got convicted of. Absolutely. And yet. If somebody had come along to me before and said, "Hey, what you're doing there probably isn't a good thing," well. He would not have been able to point to chapter and verse. I'm, I'm just trying to think of uh, uh, a an example here. Um, well, I mean, I mean, even I would just say I've never I've never been somebody who's watched really horrible movies. But I would say that as I'm as I'm being sanctified, the 
the movies that I can get convicted about watching are are different. I, I would say that I get uh, my conscience is a little bit more um, sensitive now, even in the movies that I'm watching. And it's not like I was ever watching anything with a whole lot of nudity or sex or anything like that. It, but even just even some violence, even some profaning the name of God, some uh, particular storylines that are uh, kind of against a Christian worldview, I get convicted of those more so now. And, uh, and it, there was nothing sinful or wrong with me watching those in the past, but now that I've been convict, convicted of them, and Paul says this in the passage that I just read, it is unclean, talking about the dietary laws again, it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. In other words, and Paul elsewhere says, for anyone who believes it to be sin would be sinning if they do it, right? And so there are these kind of, um, I don't, don't want to use the term neutral uh, areas, but there are these uh, areas in which God has not given a specific law. Yeah, I, I think the key, whenever you're talking about this, this area, I think the key verse in that Romans passage, um, a lot of Bibles break this up, but we always have to remember those breaks aren't scripture, they're man-made breaks. Verse 12 is the one that I that always catches me with this, mm-hmm. when it says, says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So, and then Paul goes on to basically say that just because some things aren't pro- prohibited by God's word, they can still be bad for your spiritual growth, but they could also still be bad for other people's spiritual growth as well. And we shouldn't be trying to cause one another to stumble. So back to your analogy of, of movies, you used to be a lot more fun. You know what I mean? Like we watch a lot. No, just kidding. Uh, but I mean like what necessarily has convicted you now where I'm just using this as an analogy in movies might not convict me right? because there was nothing innately sinful because there weren't, it wasn't like nudity or whatnot. It doesn't mean that it's wrong for me all of a sudden because it's convicted you. Right. Because I give us, I give an account to God because it's not descriptive as sin in, in the Bible movies aren't talked about. Do you right. mean? So we're saying each, each of us can have a, we have a conscience and there's a reason we have a conscience to say what we're convicted by, by the Holy spirit. Right. I, a good a good analogy in my life for this would be alcohol. I when I be, first became a Christian, I I was an abolitionist. We should never <laughs> touch the stuff. Right. And so I went many years without having any of it. And then thankfully, um, <laughs> but no, the Lord Lord sanctified me in this area. Brought godly people to my life. Just said no, you can you can drink this in in a good way. You know what I mean? In a right. in a in a fine way, a way that isn't sinful. Um, and showed me that. And so I've, I've relaxed a little bit on, on some of those things, but if I still felt that it was completely a sin to drink it, I would be accountable to what, how I felt in my conscience about that. Right. Right. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And, and so, I mean, I've had people in, in our congregation who have felt convicted about certain practices because of the roots. So like we, we have people in our church who, who don't want to celebrate Christmas, right? And uh, the Puritans didn't celebrate Christmas. And not celebrating Christmas uh, partially because of the some of the Catholic roots and some of the pagan roots and some Old Testament passages that I, I think are, are taken out of context uh, to say why we shouldn't bring, you know, cedars into our, our house and stuff like that. But um, again, this is an area where I think Christians, I think it's actually a good thing to celebrate Christmas, but 
I would just say that Christian liberty allows us to celebrate Christmas as long as we're pointed at the right thing. Mm. Um, and whereas um, this person is very good at not binding the conscience of other Christians in terms of not, of celebrating Christmas. So I think that's one area. Um, I think, you know, uh, while we're on the topic of holidays, I think Halloween is another one of those where there are plenty of Christians who... Those are probably the best two examples. Yeah, like um, uh, uh, there are plenty of Christians who would say, "Oh, because of the pagan roots and because of you know the ghosts and the goblins, and it's a high it's a high holiday for the satanic church and all this kind of stuff." All those things are are true. Fair enough. Um, But there are a lot of Christians who say, uh, "My my primary calling is to." bring the gospel to all nations, which includes my street and my neighborhood. And what better way for me to interact with my neighbors than bringing either bringing my kid around to introduce them to them while we collect candy or to hand out candy and, and, you know, be, be an example of, you know, use that as an opportunity to build relationships with the people that I'm supposed to be evangelizing. So, you know, both of those answers I think are acceptable, but what does it come down to? It comes down to Christian conscience and Christian liberty. And so I would just say that there's a balance that we ought to find. And, and we often say on this program that um, you can fall off the ditch on either side of the road, Absolutely. right? So, so the, the ditches on either side of the road that we're driving down here is um, kind of pharisaical legalism on one hand and um, kind of antinomianism on the other hand, right? Complete lawlessness or licentiousness. And, uh, and so, um, you know, on the one hand, you think about Romans 6, where it says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that uh, to whom you present yourselves uh, slaves to obey, you are, uh, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So, you know, the, the question gets asked, okay, so we're not under law, we're under grace. God has uh, sent Christ. He died for our sins. My sins are paid for. So can't we just sin and do whatever we want? And Paul says to that, no, not at all. Yeah. But then on the other side of things, you had the, the Pharisees who would say, if A is a sin, then B, which might lead to A, is also a sin. So let's not do A or B, right? And, and then, of course, over time, you get people trying to puff themselves up and earn favor with God. So then they'll say, well, C is pretty close to B, which is pretty close to A. So now C is also a sin. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense, that analogy? Yeah, it's like if you think about it in the, in the more modern church, like, you know, music leads to dancing, dancing leads to sex, sex leads to pregnancy, <laughs> world's over. Right, yeah, exactly. I, I so music saw, is wrong. Do you remember the Twitter account, Fake John Piper? Yes. He was just like, <laughs> he was just like uh, he's like, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons I uh, have never attended a dance in my life is because dancing could lead to card playing. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I laughed for so long. Um, but yeah, that's that's it, right? So you you make the the rule. So why is dancing considered sinful in so many churches? It's it's associated with wrongness. I think that's partially because you know dancing, like you said, leads to grinding. <laughs> leads to you know, and you go through the whole thing, and and it becomes this sex thing. Whereas you know. David danced before the Lord when the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Jerusalem, right? And so we can't say that dancing is sinful because there are plenty of passages in Scripture where it talks about dancing before the Lord, dancing in worship, dancing in rejoicing. He sets our feet to dance. He sets our feet to dancing, yeah, that that great Pentecostal song that we all sing. (laughs) Um, But uh, so, so that's what legalism looks like. It looks like 
um, finding the trail <laughs> from one thing to all the sins it could lead to and begin to outlaw all the things that lead to it. That's what legalism looks like. And then, of course, um, the excess on the other side looks like um, just saying, well, Jesus died for my sins, so it doesn't matter what I do, and starting to do things that are directly contrary to Scripture. So that, this is where you start to see people saying, well, it doesn't matter that I'm dating a non-Christian because Jesus died for my sins and he can save her. Well, it doesn't matter that I'm living with my girlfriend before we're married because we're going to get married anyway it doesn't matter that we're having sex right now because you know those those uh you know uh commands in the uh, in the bible are to a culture where they got married when they were 13 so who cares now like i could still sleep with with my girlfriend now because we don't get married until we're 20 so those are the kinds of things on the other side and so christian liberty drives the car down the road not falling into either side of the ditch yeah exactly it's you you said it exactly right because the thing the thing in Christian liberty that I think everybody has to the guiding principle that we have to have here is that we have to remember what the goal of the Christian life is right it's to glorify God not self um, it's to edify your fellow believers but part of that is also to have a good reputation among the un, un, unbelievers right we aren't to be speaking spoken of in a in a bad way repu- morally around around them and that's uh, you know, those verses that would speak to that would be Psalm 19, 14, Romans 15, 1 and 2, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 would be where I'm getting that those three principles from. Um, so like liberty, liberty is, is something we, we, are, we have, but it, we also, we have to remember that we are primarily here not for ourselves. We're not to glorify ourselves where we have freedom in these things to make wise decisions and to prayerfully consider things that aren't descriptive in, in Scripture. We're not talking about things that have been strictly forbidden. Now we're free to do. If it was forbidden, it's forbidden and what should be avoided. We're talking about those things that, you know, aren't necessarily always for, aren't forbidden, things that are, are talked about, right? So we should be prayerfully considering what that looks like in our life and how does it help us glorify God? How does it help us edify our believers? And what does it do to our reputation among the unbelievers? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, so just to, to kind of go on. So I think there, there are a couple principles that I think, um, of Christian Liberty that are, are worth kind of chatting about broadly. And then maybe we can talk about some specific issues, right? Cause all of this came in the context of asking, what about alcohol? What about this? What about that? So we'll talk, we'll answer those questions directly, but let's talk about a couple principles first. Okay. I would say one of the first principles is that Christian Liberty shouldn't be flaunted. Okay. So, um, uh, and in, uh, in Romans 14, where we were reading before, uh, right, we, we read verses uh, 12 to 16. So verse 20 goes on, and it says, Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. And then this is the big one, verse 22. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. So the idea there is that, um, you know, it's other, other Christians might think that it's sinful to drink alcohol, to dance, you know, these, these kinds of things. And I would just say, you might in your it's interesting that uh when paul's talking elsewhere about uh eating meat that's sacrificed to idols 
he actually talks about um, it's the more mature brother who recognizes that eating meat um, sacrificed to idols is fine. He actually calls that the more mature brother. But he says, for the sake of the weaker, you know, don't don't cause him to stumble. And so what's interesting there is that it's the more mature Christian who can rightly discern where Christian liberty lines get drawn. And I think you described, you know, as you've grown in sanctification, you've recognized that the abolitionist um, view of alcohol in particular, um, as you've been sanctified, you've actually realized that there's nothing wrong with enjoying alcohol. And, uh, and so I would just say um, what, what verse 22 is saying and why I say don't flaunt it is that for those Christians who still believe that it's a sin to drink alcohol, you and I shouldn't flaunt our Christian liberty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's one of the principles that I think we ought to take into account. Yeah, exactly. Like think about it, think of it in a practical sense. If families are tough, if your grandparents are strictly let's not drink alcohol and you know it would irritate them, hurt them to see you serving wine and having a good time at, at the house, don't have wine with that meal. Right. Sacrifice your liberty. personal joy, your liberty yeah. in that situation just to not cause them to right. t- cause them to stumble. Love them enough to sacrifice something for yourself, even though there's nothing wrong with drinking it. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's a good practical way to look at it. The second principle is that uh, these aren't matters to break fellowship over. That's great. So in other words, um, you know, we don't only welcome other Christians kind of into our community or into our inner circle once we've sorted out what their views are on some of these particular <laughs> issues. Yeah. Uh, so don't break community. Don't break relationship over these issues of Christian liberty. Don't basically say I'm not going to I'm not going to welcome them to our church or into right. my circle of friends right. if they have tattoos. Right. If or I I don't believe in tattoos, so they have tattoos, I can't be right. they can't be my brother in Christ. Think of what makes somebody a brother in Christ and then welcome them based on that. Right. Are they regenerate? Do they love God? Do they serve God? The things like that that are we're talking we're not talking doctrine, we're not talking theology, we're talking about strictly like the social, the liber- the things we have liberty in, right? Right. Okay, so the third principle is that uh, Christian liberty ought never be used in such a way that you become a stumbling block to other Christians. So we kind of talked about that when we were talking about the first principle. But in, in other words, um, your enjoyment of Christian liberties shouldn't actually cause the temptation of another Christian. So not just in terms of, of where liberty lines get drawn, but I mean, we all know Christians who are recovering from alcohol or alcoholism or addiction or, or things like that. Uh, there are Christians, obviously, who are struggling with pornography. There are all kinds of different issues um, that Christians are in the midst of battling. And so our Christian liberty shouldn't cause stumbling anywhere else. Yeah, I, I, think, you, I think you already you, you nailed it when you, when you were bringing up those examples. A good one that I always think of is, and again, I don't want to pick on the women, but... <laughs> There are men in our churches that struggle with pornography that we know struggle right. with pornography. You have freedom, women, to dress nicely. Yep. Not wearing head covers, letting that hair flow. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you don't have to go all the way to town and wear the, the shortest skirt you can possibly do just because right. you're allowed to do that. Right. Well, like wearing well, a bikini no, no. at a church picnic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I would just say that, um, and maybe we'll get into this when we get into some, some clothing stuff. I think that um, women are held to a particular standard. In, in how they dress, that they are called to dress dress modestly. 
But this is part of Christian liberty is, is what is modesty. That's what I'm getting right? at. Modesty yeah. is a subjective term, right? And so, and what causes one man to lust isn't what will cause another man to lust. Several, you know, decades ago, showing your ankles would have caused several men to lust. That's not necessarily the case now. <laughs> and now we don't judge modesty based on the culture around us. If so, we'll continue to, to descend into licentiousness. But what I would say is that um, that is an issue of conscience. And and so, I mean, one of the big things, uh, who's, what's the Christian comedian, John Creese, who always makes fun of yoga pants, right? So like, so there'd be some, women who would think you know how could a woman wear yoga pants without cover without wearing a shirt that covers her bum and and i would just say you know again that's that's an issue of christian liberty right i I think we would we could all probably agree like you said wearing a bikini to a church picnic we can all agree that's not modest so there you go that's and then we could all also say that you're allowed to dress in in something uh, more form-fitting than a paper bag from the paper bag princess Shout out to Robert Munch. So, but but in between those things, there are liberty issues here, and I think sanctification plays a role in that. And so, what does modesty look like? What does modesty look like in our culture? What does modesty look like in our church? What does modesty look like in all those kinds of things? And and quite honestly, different women, different body shapes, all those things play into this. So, in terms of Christian liberty, where does that line? get drawn. And I would say that line, one of the factors of where that line gets drawn is this question is, are you causing other brothers to stumble? Yeah, that's, that's where I was going to go with that in that terms of like, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the, the clothing and the women's fault when they wear something that's like a little too revealing or whatnot, because she had like that, the woman in the situation could be a man too. Men, men can do this too. We can wear tight clothing. You always wear those tight jeans, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how do you know they're not yoga pants <laughs> they can be yoga pants for all, uh. all i mean is like you're 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 accountable to god for what you're for what you're wearing but have some wisdom to know that yeah, if i'm gonna absolutely. if i'm gonna rock a tank top and you know show off the pipes to the women there might be some girls there that are not overly comfortable looking at my human form <laughs> I don't know how to word that better. All I'm saying is discernment is a very key thing in this in this idea. Pooty has to consider a lot on making women I, struggle. Like all of, the time. I gained weight just to keep women from lusting. Um, that's a terrible joke. Um, all, all, all I'm basically saying is that this should be a forefront thought yes, in, in our absolutely. minds when we're thinking about Christian liberty. Is it is what I'm doing? Is it, Am I causing somebody to stumble? And if, and if you can think, well, this outfit... Per, per, potentially will cause this person to stumble. The wrong response is to be like, well, I'm going to purposely wear it because I'm free in Christ. Right. When you really, when That's you know right. it could just to be like, okay, yes. you know what? Maybe back it off and wear that when I'm after church on Sundays, when I'm hanging out with my husband or just out with friends who, yeah. who I know where their, right. their, their line is. Right. Um, so I, I think it'd be maybe helpful now just to kind of jump into the, um, uh, some of the specifics. And I would just wrap up those principles with maybe one last one because uh, the Apostle Paul wraps up his thoughts on Christian liberty, I think, in that particular section in Romans 14 that we were talking about. In Romans 15, uh, when he when he says in verses 1, 2, and 3 of Romans 15, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the fallings of the weak and do not please ourselves. Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So the idea here is that 
at the end of the day, we're not here on earth to serve ourselves. We're here to serve Christ and we're here to serve others. And Christ didn't do everything that made him happy. In fact, he lived a sacrificial life. He, you know, uh, foxes have holes, you know, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He gave up much, uh, uh, of the things he would have been free to enjoy in this life for the sake of the mission. And I think that'll, that'll get into some of the specifics. So let's talk about some of the specifics. Alcohol, Chris. I, I think it's completely fine to, to drink. The Bible, Bible forget, forbids drunkenness. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to have some wisdom. What is drunkenness to you? What does that look like? I, I think, I think we can, we can debate maybe exactly what that specifically looks like, but I don't think the Bible forbids drinking. There's multiple times where Jesus, Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding after all the good wine was already drank. You know what right. I mean? So what does that mean? It means people were drinking a lot. Right. Um, there are times Paul, Paul, his very first sermon that converted 3000 people. It's these, these men aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning, <laughs> yeah. implying that like, if this yeah. was four o'clock, you could reasonably make this <laughs> argument that we've had too much to drink. Um, and I'm not saying they, they, that isn't, yeah, I'm we're not, not saying I'm, that they got drunk. Exactly. We, I'm not just, saying go get, yeah. go drunk. The Bible specifically says, yeah. don't be a drunkard, but the Bible doesn't say don't drink. Yeah. And so I would say, um, and, and I mean, just in terms of, uh, abolitionists completely, I mean, Paul tells Timothy, <laughs> take, take a little, little bit wine. of wine for your stomach. So the abolitionist view, I don't think is necessarily uh, a view that's supported in scripture for all those reasons. Otherwise Jesus would have been, if not sinning himself, at least implicit in the sins of others by turning water into wine. And I think all the arguments about it, it was unfermented grape juice is just ridiculous because you don't call the unfermented grape juice that comes after all the hard wine, the best, right? Um, so anyway, all that to say, um, we, we believe that the, the Bible prescribes um, wine as a good thing. It's a blessing. In fact, um, if you want to get down to regular principle stuff, um, the, uh, the, the New Testament actually tells us to drink wine and eat bread when we take the Lord's table. So um, it actually, there's a command to drink wine. Did they retranslate to the Welches? <laughs> the Welches, yeah. Uh, Welches. This Welches was my blood <laughs> shed for you. Um, and, uh, and so uh, wine is actually a symbol of the blessing of the New Testament. And I actually... So just just as a side note here, um, I actually I, I enjoy brewing my own beer. I do it in my basement, um, and uh, and one of the things that I enjoy about um, making wine and making beer and all that kind of stuff is I think it is a symbol of the new covenant, just like the leaven that works its way through the loaf, right? The the yeast that's working its way through the 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 drink fermenting things and turning it into alcohol is very much a symbol of like the mustard seed like the leaven of the gospel expanding and the the tiny stone that becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth i think that's why god used bread and wine as symbols of the new covenant and the recognition of the great commission being fulfilled so um i actually think that that wine is not only uh acceptable but i think it's actually a blessing that god gives to us um, there's a great book I would recommend by Joel McDermott called What Would Jesus Drink? And he actually makes the argument that... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give that a bracelet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he actually makes the argument that, uh, that, the, that both the taste and the effects of alcohol are a blessing and, and, uh, and shown to be a blessing throughout the, 
the Bible. So, so yeah, that's where we would stand on alcohol. We don't think that it's a sin at all. And I would say that um, where the where the um, discussion can have is whether or not the Bible condemns um, drunkenness in terms of just being drunk in general, allowing yeah. uh, yourself to drink enough alcohol to um, uh, to uh, mess with your mind, or if those verses are about alcoholism about drunkenness as in don't be the town drunk don't be the guy who's drunk all the time yeah being mastered by it um and i think that that's where the discussion lies but it's somewhere in there i personally take the view that um i like if you know i'm I'm never going to drink enough to get drunk to get blacked out drunk and i would never want to be overtaken by it even even for an evening and I think that that's part of me just not wanting to be mastered by it. So that's kind of the stance that I take. I think that's generally the stance that's, that you take as well. Yeah, my I, I I know my own sin. I have a I have an addictive personality. I can get carried away with things very easily. I know that about myself. So I I do the exact same thing. Even though I would say the the. I, if I was to guess between the two or, or debate, I would say it's specifically referring to being an alcoholic. Right. But I still, I still won't risk getting to the point where I'm, I'm drunk as the world would, would, would see it because I know myself and I know that that's why, why risk that temptation, right? Right. Um, so let's just, let's just kind of hit these. We talked about the clothing one, which I think is a big one. Well, let's just hit these on real quick. We won't give we won't give a ton of explanation for these just because we're running uh, short on time. I got one for you then. Yeah, what's that? Tattoos. Hit me with tattoos. Yeah, um, you know what, man? Honestly, my my this one isn't a short one. Uh, my <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, my my view on this is actually starting to change a little bit. So yeah, like I've always been of my my big thing when I was a youth pastor. I always said to people that. Uh, that you know had issue with some of my teenagers who had tattoos. I would always say, you know, that Jesus depicted it as having a tattoo on his thigh in in Revelation 19. You know, as just as my tongue in cheek, like smart aleck response. Um, my view on this is actually starting to change a little bit. I uh, I used to look at the Old Testament, the Levitical laws on uh, on tattoos as saying specifically talking about bloodletting, like talking about uh, the way in which people used to cut themselves um, and mark themselves as worship to Baal, as, as worship to a false god. Uh, I'm starting to rethink that a little bit. Doug Wilson makes a pretty compelling argument for why tattoos aren't good. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I would just say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence right now with that one. But for the, the first you know, 33 years of my life, I was, I was, uh, pro tattoo. Now I'm, I'm just starting to think, rethink it. Maybe it's because I'm a dad and I have a, a, a young girl that I don't want to ever get a tattoo. I don't know. <laughs> you don't no. ever get her a butterfly? No. She wants no butterfly anymore? No. You tattoo? I, my, my stance, I now, I didn't know your stance had, had changed. Mine, mine has always been like, I don't want to sound too hyper-spiritual when I say this, but our bodies aren't ours. Our bodies right. are, when, when Christ, when we're regenerated, we come from dead to life. Well, our old life no longer matters, and our our new life is only to be used for the gospel. That's that's Paul. Right. That's so. My question would then be, which side of that? Which side of that are you getting the tattoo? Right. So I'm not going to condemn you for tattoos you had when you weren't right, right, right. a new person. Um, but once you are a Christian, I would say, what are the tattoos for? Are they? A harmless tattoo, like you know your wife's name, your child, your child, your child's name. I have no problems with those. 
what I would say, what I would say is be cautious about tattoos that depict anything. One depict God in any way. Um, oh, but, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. two depict something that doesn't speak to the gospels, doesn't speak right. to the real life in you. Right. So I'm a huge soccer fan. I talk about, I would love to have a big soccer tattoo on my body. I don't like a have soccer a soccer ball, like, uh, <laughs> like my, my team symbol yeah, or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But do yeah. I, re- but when I, when I yeah. reason I don't do it is because that, that marks me and identifies me as this when right. all I want to be marked as and identified as, as somebody who is Christian, right. who Christ lives in. And, yeah. and I think we'd both agree on that. Like whether or not my, my view is completely changing or not. I, I've been watching actually, there's some, some, uh, if anybody wants to read up on this, it, Doug Wilson wrote uh, a couple of blog posts about tattoos. Joel McDermott actually, uh, uh, took the counterpoint oh, and, really? uh, and he and, and Doug Wilson had a couple of blog exchanges on whether or not tattoos, um, are, are something Christians should have. Um, but at the end of the day, I would say, I, you know, I don't think it's sinful for somebody to get a tattoo that is depicting the gospel, right? And yeah. I, I think, I think, I mean, I think that's trendy. I think, you know, you do, do it in a way that's going to uh, actually get some people asking questions maybe, but um, yeah. Um, okay, a couple of rapid fire ones. Recreational gambling. <laughs> I, I don't. Recreational gambling, I would say, you know what? I'm okay with it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna criticize you. I I take that as having poker, playing poker with your friends, right? Not going to the slot machines. Not like right. I'm, I'm talking about like you know, me and you have played poker together. Yes. I don't have a problem with that. Where I would say I have no problem taking your money either. <laughs> I I have the greatest poker face ever. Watch. That's a terrible radio. <laughs> terrible. Uh, all I'm saying is I have yeah. no, I have no problems with it. I I think I think. If we look at the 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 apostles cast lots to to choose a <laughs> yes, disciple, like that. Again, I'm not trying to make a correlation between yeah, yeah. the two things. I'm just saying, you know. Okay, it's fun. Um, what about? And I'm going to wrap some of these up together in one okay, kind sure. of um, final thought or one big idea, if you will. Um, but uh, what what will we say about um, video games? Again, I would say generally harmless, but you can fall off the ditch in either, right. either end. Does it master you? Is that all you think about? Is that all you want to do? Is that, is that something you, are you working so that you can get to the weekend where you can just veg out and play video games? Exactly. Exactly. Is that, is it taking away from your time with your spouse? Is it, yeah. is it doing all those things? If, if you can answer yes to any of those things that I said, you have a problem with it. Right. Smoking if, cigars, cigars, smoking in general. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have to say no to smoking. Um, I, my thing with smoking is that I, I, there is nothing good about it. Right. It doesn't help you in any way. So you would say cigars, cigarettes, all the same. Cigars and cigarettes. I I, I know this might even, I might even sound hypocritical. I do separate the two cigars because it's, it's not an addictive thing Mm. to the best of my knowledge. Now I might not know, understand all the chemistry, but I can smoke a cigar and not need to smoke a cigar another tomorrow. Right. I mean, like, Whereas with cigarettes, I believe that is not the case. Um, but I also don't think that they put the same chemicals in them. So I think like my biggest problem with smoking isn't is more the chemicals of what you're doing because you're actually harming the temple that you have, right? Okay, so I'm going to end with a quote from John Calvin because John Calvin is the man and, uh, and he'll help us think rightly about this. <laughs> um, so he says, moderate liberality should be the model of how we approach alcohol. Now, I would just say 
how we approach all these things. Moderate liberality should be the model of how we approach alcohol, all these things. With wise Christian judgment and self-control in the midst of freedom and enjoyment. I think that moderate liberality should be the model of how we do everything in the Christian life instead of do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, Colossians 2.21, which Paul condemns we should learn how to handle abundance and freedom. And so I think that um, here's what I would say about all of those things. And let's just kind of wrap up whether it's smoking or gambling or, or dancing or video games or all that kind of stuff. What is the primary purpose of your life as a Christian? Go make disciples. And so are you using your Christian liberty as a way of making disciples? And I maintain that I've had far more evangelistic conversations over a beer than I have um, in uh, you know uh, you know in the uh, in in a lot of different settings. Um, again, recreational gambling. There is a difference between sitting at a slot machine on your own and waiting to to get a payoff, and sitting around a poker table with a bunch of friends having you know three hours worth of conversation while you gamble ten dollars away. Right. That, that, <laughs> exactly. That's very very different. Um, video games again. Are you secluding yourself from everybody and are you playing video games in, in a way that, you know, you're, you're in your mama's basement and just, or, or, you know, you've uh, shipped off the kids for the weekend so that you can, you know, uh, veg out. Or again, are you doing that with other people? Are you playing video games with your kids? Is it a bonding experience in, in such, in a certain way? Are you guys playing Madden and, and, you know, uh, figuring out how to, you know, be on a team together or, you know, whatever. But I would just say all of these things, even even in the terms of tattoos and all that kind of stuff, is, are you using your Christian liberties in a way to advance the gospel? And if you are, then I think that you're using your Christian liberties in a good way. Um, and if not, if it's, if it's actually having the opposite effect, then I would say you're using your Christian liberties in the wrong way. That's fantastic. Good wrap up. Feel great about that. Um, I'm sure we'll get tons of questions about that. <laughs> yeah, but we might. We, we love it because we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on all yeah. the social medias. So feel free because we love interacting with you guys. So feel and, free and to just comment. To, just to solicit some some activity on this post. <laughs> here's what I want you to do. I want you to to find the 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 link for this episode on Facebook, and I want you to comment in the comment section. Tell us one thing that you agree with in terms of where we've drawn liberty lines one thing you disagree with and then tell us one thing that you've changed your mind on over the course of sanctification Pudi and i talked about that That's so good. so just yeah so tell us what you agree with what you disagree with and uh and tell us one area that you've changed your mind as you've been sanctified in your christian life yeah that's great and no bone no brownie points if you say i agree with nate disagree <laughs> with Pudi, and i changed my mind on if he's i give out lots of brownie <laughs> points so don't listen to him all right guys we'll see you again next week uh, check out the video that's going to drop on Friday and uh, until next time we're the Rebels peace peace